If actually, if you're looking at the economy with a discerning view, you see that growth may have come down. But it's not a recession yet, or it won't be a recession ever. Yes, ma'am, I did say that. This is our sixth podcast and fifth official broadcast podcast where we welcome back our favorite, our expert for every single subject we have, Orca. Thank you. And in this particular podcast, we shall be discussing the recent, I won't say recent, but the Indian economy slowdown, figuring out what led to the situation, how we can get out of it, what the government is planning, doing in this entire process, and what kind of an impact it has on the markets. Does it sound good? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So just to begin with, I'd like to first get an overview about this slowdown. So we all know that the Indian economy hasn't been doing well for the past one and a half, two years. So Orka, what do you think are the major drivers for this? So um, firstly, as we know that economy GDP growth comes from four different sources, right? Public and private investments and uh, exports and consumption. So we can see that Indian economy was being driven by investments mostly, both public and at uh, up till certain point of time, private investments also. But both of those have stopped working. It's like a car that has that used to have four engines, two never worked. Now the two that used to work have stopped working. So I guess that's the main reason that uh, of the stalling of the GDP growth and. There are various reasons we can go into depth for each of those, why each of those engines are not working. There are two points that I wanted to ask on that. So one, we always heard that India is a consumeristic driven economy, meaning that the major growth in the economy is by consumer behavior. Yes. And second, we also have regular fluctuations in the uh, growth percentage, which ranges by two to three percent over a span of time. So regarding the first point if the investments is a driver that has stopped does how is that impacting the consumer behavior and second related to that is this a short-term decline or are we going to see a further crisis down the road so pala what i feel that till up till now since from 1991 we have been going on a consumption basis so we are creating more middle class people and they are consuming and that is driving India's economy. So that was one of the growth engines of Indian economy. But I think that has come to an end. The last Soon after elections, the Niti Aayog uh, had mentioned that India is going to head into the middle income trap, wherein a part of its population have become affluent but it is it will be unable to pull up the rest of the population just because of that and we cannot uh, we have almost reached the ceiling of this consumption based growth we have to shift to export based growth to grow further he even gave the statistics that earlier to get uh, i don't remember the exact ones we can later reference it through that article but earlier the amount of money the government used to invest to get a certain return in growth that keeps be, uh, becoming uh, more and more now for even much more amount of money lesser amount of growth is coming yeah adding to the middle income slowdown problem i think there is multiple reasons for that the first reason is that 
like alka said the gdp growth is fueled by domestic consumption uh, investment and government uh, investment so then you have to understand that private investment in india especially the domestic private investment in india has not created a lot of jobs anytime that which is why we have like most of the people that you see are employed are employed on some foreign investment in india now the thing is the foreign investment in india in terms of jobs has almost almost grew at an extraordinary rate due to the services sector in 2000 uh, the decade of 2000s which capped at uh, in the last decade after you know most of the companies with, uh, there are multiple reason why it capped also but it has capped and the other thing is the government is all uh, after reducing fiscal deficit these days which is causing a reduction in their spending on rural uh, economy on uh, welfare programs and things like that and what ends up happening is when the rural economy doesn't have money to spend the consumer behavior of the country completely switches to a spending behavior from a spending behavior to like a, a, you know non spending behavior and then that ends up affecting the industry uh, the retail industries which uh, india basically thrives on the fmcg industry the auto industry and it becomes like a cyclical problem after that so i think there is value in saying that middle income people are still spending as much as they did it's the people who are on the bottom strata of the society who live in rural areas who are disconnected with this you know glamorous world that we live in they have stopped spending altogether and also the increase of middle class has also slowed down considerably fair yeah that is mostly because of that increasing joblessness yes and you also have to understand there is a geography reason behind this also so when these companies from uh, the united states from europe they started investing in jobs in india they the government of india didn't pay attention to what they were doing in terms of geographic locations most of the jobs were being created in cities like bangalore mumbai and uh, delhi and you know big cities what ends up happening there is the effects of that uh, kind of growth are localized uh, you see that people who are living in these areas will only spend in these areas you see that people living in areas will, will you know only contribute to the economic growth mainly in these areas and then what ends up happening is because these areas are not that big they can only sustain a certain amount of population only a small number of people benefit with this whereas imagine a scenario where this investment say these you know offices that are coming from other companies the service sector offices were distributed among small cities in india every small city would have a spike uh, in investment uh, sorry in spending from these people who earn from you know american dollars that is you can expect that from a foreign company so people come to bangalore because you have a huge talent pool there right agree distributed the draw of the city draw of the locality also falls right that is true but then most of these companies that are coming in are establishing themselves uh, with a uh, you know attractive uh, salary and everything and i don't think people will have a problem relocating because you see they are not extracting talent from bangalore itself they are extracting talent from college campuses which don't yes. even which are not yes. even close to All, bangalore even our college is so far but the, the yes. thing is bangalore is a like it's a place where you can get all the uh, services easily it's like a plug and play economy you want a office you want five uh, floors you can get it done within one month you have one month and yeah you hire from which is what i'm which is what i'm talking about so if the government has uh, had created like so thinking about it bangalore is a special economic zone right kind of. yeah so if the government had created these zones in multiple small cities in india in rural parts a little bit 
that would have spiked the invest uh, sorry spending in those parts immediately so first thing is when these buildings are created and when this infrastructure is created for a company to settle they create a lot of jobs mm. then then when these people settle down there they take housing the rent increases in that area then what happens is when they start spending restaurants pop up things like you know uh, shopping malls pop up and that increases the spending and people nearby the local communities benefit a lot out of that. absolutely which is what our government which is what our government miss right now the people living in bangalore are fairly well off even the people who work for uh, you know these people who are working in white collar jobs even the blue collar people are well off yeah. but what ends up happening is those those are a very small set of people most of the people who are living in the country can't even look at those jobs the government also is trying to focus on manufacturing as a sector that needs to be revived on a long term perspective manufacturing self sustenance how is that a solution or how how much does it contribute to the solution of reviving the economy so uh, like before 2000 before this current um, slow down people used to call india's growth jobless growth that is because it was entirely being pulled by the services sector and now the services sector is so big that it can't have such a high growth rate it is too big to have that kind of growth rate so you have to have job uh, to provide jobs you have to have the manufacturing sector coming and to answer your question how to get rural people into manufacturing we don't need to look far bangladesh is having a gdp growth rate of 8.5% this exactly quarter so that shows that a country that is has the same problem as ours can pull through with uh, unskilled labor in a lot of uh, the factories that are coming to bangladesh are coming from china because of the trade wars and india is not being able to attract those companies yes we discussed in a second that. yeah we discussed this in a second podcast also where we explained how certain policies taken by the indian government do not favor especially yeah. large amounts of bureaucracy do not favor companies to move here for business now Absolutely. seeing such low gdp numbers what do you think are some measures that the government should take in order to get that urgent need of foreign capital and foreign job i mean job opportunity the first thing is the first thing is i would actually like since the time we discussed this last the government actually has made a lot of reforms because the situation was very dire at back then also and the government has acted in time they have you know uh, slashed down the corporate tax they have also introduced a set of reforms for uh, foreign investors so i think they have acted in terms of like what has to be done what but, needs to be done but the main thing of uh, the labor reform hasn't still come it's still yes. pending i was coming to that the land and labor reforms in india are uh, something which is pending for years i think congress also was looking at this and uh, after this the bjp government wanted to do it for a long time what is the what is the bottleneck there i have never been able to understand Uh, trade unions, even the RSS trade unions, are against dilution of labor laws. Makes sense. So, mm. so, so BJP is worried that it might lose support from its core base also because of this. So, just sticking back to the topic, so we discussed some reasons why we are facing a slowdown. Uh, one point that I wanted to understand here is you have mentioned some certain policies and some certain inherent problems to this uh, land to this area. which is preventing growth at this point do you think that uh, if those measures are say obviously the economy is a slow moving uh, uh, phenomena do you think that 
with the current measures in place the economy will be able to revive itself or is there some deeper more fundamental problem which is causing this uh slowdown i i will like to add a point to that the deeper problem you know i was recently listening to the brown uh, university lectures i think they are mm. called the opj in the lectures from uh, so they were like very well featured raguram rajan arvind subramaniam and even uh, the nobel prize winner recently so uh, they basically discuss what is the problem with the indian economy and of course there are problems like reforms uh, needed and there is like you know uh, small things which have happened for the past one year uh, one or two years demonetization gdp or uh, gst but what what ends up being the biggest problem in india is the centralization of power now you have to understand how this works like most of the people who are in the corporate sector would who are big corporates would have to understand how they get business done in in india most of the businesses controlled most of the licensing businesses for large industries are controlled by the central government and as we have seen the indian economy open from 1991 the central government has become more and more concentrated in the prime minister's office now what happens there is the prime minister's office is only this not a lot of staffing in the prime minister's office it's only like seven to eight secretaries two three ministers and one prime minister and the problem with the modi government is the prime minister's office has given no uh, degree of freedom to the other ministries in terms of taking actions and why they have done this is because in the congress regime what happened was the prime minister's office was very uh, easy going they didn't keep a lot of checks on the other ministries and a lot of scandals happens on because of that a lot of scams happened because of that so the modi government overreacted to the problem and created like a very centralized government wherein the prime minister's office has to say yes on every big decision that even the smallest of ministries make and this creates a lot of problem in terms of uh, you know acts as a roadblock for new investment new projects across the industry okay want yeah. to add something to that Well, yeah whatever nitya said is absolutely correct and yeah raghuram rajan is specifically going after modi's concentration of power in all every interview is giving these days uh, but uh, another thing that i feel is that to uh, make the indian economy keep the indian economy growing we need to have manufacturing boom as such and frankly modi's make in india has failed so he has to do some reinvent it or do something else he was quite successful in gujarat in bringing foreign in, uh, investments but he hasn't been able to replicate that same thing uh, in uh, the national level so in gujarat i remember him giving an interview so somebody asked some foreign journalist asked him what is the secret how do you get so many investments uh, so many people invest coming to gujarat so he said that there is only two secrets we yeah, have a very transparent yeah, one point stop for all their problems and we keep communicating with them at uh, every level whatever decision is taking we keep updating them what the situation is see i think this is a very good point to implement that on a central level yeah and i wanted to explain why they are failing to implement on a central level the right question you asked basically you know a state government and a central government are very different institutions if you think about it the state executive doesn't have a lot to do in terms of managing the state a lot of the powers are taken away from it on the center and the state executive can actually the chief minister can actually be you know involved with industrialists involved with new investors and get things done in his state which is why a state government is the best place to uh, 
make uh, business sorry allow business decisions to happen for the government but if you think about the central government as a prime minister the responsibilities are far bigger than a state a chief minister think about it there is defense there is foreign affairs i mean for all you know modi yeah, is yeah. always outside the country then there is of course the economy which we are talking about then there is things like small things like you know welfare schemes coming in and all these uh, bigger issues so that's why modi and his administration which is basically the same administration he took from gujarat has not been able to replicate that behavior because they have been overwhelmed by the centralization of power they themselves are now controlling so much of the government power that they can't take decisions in time and that is the problem they are facing uh, what they have to do is and they don't trust the state governments also even the bjp state governments they don't trust and they don't uh, given a lot of power to them leave alone like mamta state government or even tamil nadu state government so what ends up happening there is they are not giving any power to the state governments they are not allocating a lot of funds to the state governments and they cannot act the state governments themselves cannot act so which is why the center is acting like a roadblock uh, because of centralization had the same behavior been replicated by this government what modi did in 2007 8 you know in power state governments it would be really good yeah and another problem when uh, you mentioned state governments is i would like to point out is the case with uh, andhra pradesh so after uh, jagan mohan came to power he just took away all of uh, his predecessors projects about building a smart city with singapore investments from singapore and china he just said i am not going to do any of those so that reflects that lack of consistency of policies looking very bad at indian states and even now the rumors of bullet train being cancelled those yeah. are very serious issues that india government must address otherwise investors won't come that is very true i mean the most important thing for investment uh, sorry investors is certainty and india right now is in like a in, is like a problem sorry is like a country filled with uncertainties there is uncertainty regarding the tax code we don't know what tax code applies to what things gst has completely complicated things there is uncertainty regarding uh, the government's policies sometimes the government cuts tax rates other times the government you know uh, taxes fdi uh, foreign investors highly uh, there is uncertainty regarding the government uh, whether the government will approve your project or not so the government's approval is also very expensive these days because the government has controlled so much they are hard uh, it's hard for them to understand which is ironic because bjp is a right wing uh, party and they right should way. yeah and they should be in terms of economics the right wing advocates the government involvement in the economy should be minimum which is the opposite of what they are doing the most of the things that they are doing are uh, government controlled and this uncertainty can cause foreign investors to say yeah i'm i, I don't i not tolerate this volatility and i'll go out yeah yeah actually guys may, so we have discussed how this current uh, government has impacted the society through its missed like through its incorrect decisions and slow action points but just to get a better picture uh, i wanted to understand the time lapse and time scales of these kind of actions basically there is policy there is impact of policy on the government on the markets and economy and then there is again a feedback this kind of a loop keeps running so in the last modi term that is 2014 to 18 we saw that there was a growth in the economy significant growth in the economy and then there was a huge dip now if we talk about this phenomena how does this play out in a policy level so 
if a once a policy is launched which you guys are say for instance you talk about investments so initially there was a higher investment and the economy grew now there has been a lack of investments and the economy fell what's the time lapse or is a say a period of when do you tell that okay this is the point where the we see a drop in investments and this is the point where we see a drop in the gdp how does that correlate did i make sense there yeah yeah, yeah. so in, in economic terms a uh, recession india is still not in a recession a recession is a negative growth rate for two consecutive quarters but, uh, a poor country of like india can never be in a recession as far as that is good. that's yeah. absolutely true for us recession should be 4% iske niche kiya so you are in recession yeah i mean if your inflation rate is less than sorry your gdp growth rate is less than your inflation rate that is technically a negative growth rate right yeah and you have to understand and the other thing about india is that uh, you can also tell uh, the uh, you know the gauge of the economy is also found in other things like stock markets and things like that but they, everything in itself tells a partial story the complete story cannot be stitched using these numbers like you know uh, gdp or stock market numbers what you have to un- understand for the complete story is look at the uh, specific case studies how you know small cities go to a small city understand what happened there and try to get a sample set large enough in terms of case studies and understand what happened there because every number will tell you a story but those stories will be too abstract for you to understand what happened and what was the time lapse of that happening sorry time period of that happening Yeah, Nishche. I follow an economist in Ilhan Mohapatra. She gave mm. a really good explanation about the GDP numbers during the Modi era. So, mm. as you realize that many people feared that the uh, that there will be a huge dip in GDP after demonetization and GST, right? Mm. So that didn't happen much. So her, I really like that explanation. She said that when those two blows came to the economy, what happened? The informal sector that is often not counted in the GDP absolutely mm-hmm. perished. But because of that perishing of informal sector, the formal sector was had space to grow. Mm. so for just after gst and demonetization the economy seemed to do really good 8% 7.5% but mm-hmm. one full year after that the formal sector had reached whatever it had to grow it had grown then came the problem that because of the informal sector collapsing there was joblessness there was slowing consumption growth now the formal sector has started been affected but you also have to understand that because the informal sector got crushed during the demonetization and gst eras what ends up happening there is because these jobs are you know taken away from people people are earning less salaries are not being given in the informal sector because in the informal sector you have to remember the elasticity is very high the people can yeah. be laid by, laid off in overnight people can be cut salaries salaries cannot be given for 6 months altogether with what happens here is slowly those people were not getting salaries and they stopped spending and you have to realize these are a big proportion of our uh, working population the people working in the uh, informal sector now when these people stop spending even the formal sector in india which is mostly the fmcg and auto sectors and all these uh, retail sectors they start uh, facing a slowdown so i think the slowdown was imminent after demonetization all it took was a year to propagate from the informal sector which is not counted to the formal sector which when it started counting yeah and also the i think what happened is that the huge debt burden 
that the Indian private sector already had played an important role in crushing uh, them uh, in the last one year. So no, I have to come to the to the, the very good point you are making the debt burden and the lack of capital uh, uh, flow in the economy, which is like the second thing we have forgotten about that we are only talking about spending and government policies. Yeah. But capital flow is something interesting. Yeah. But you were uh, making a point. Uh, go on. Yeah. So basically, that I guess in the large part of UPA two, a lot of loans were given as a part of the stimulus to the economy, and. that could have only been recovered had the economy been robust throughout but economy has been robust only in patches and for most part it has been lackluster and that is causing the current problems people have invested and now they can't repay back their loans from all the sectors from real especially in the real real estate sector where the biggest names are dropping off sensex because they are their companies are going almost nearing bankruptcy Uh, orka on that point so we also hear so as you mentioned non performing assets are a big reason for this slowdown how does it actually play down what happens when a company doesn't pay back its loan so when a company doesn't pay back its loan two things happen first the money that the company had taken from the bank gets locked up so the banks get hesitant to lend money to a invest next investor because the bank is scared ki i have already have so much money now i'll play very safe so that reduces the availability of capital in the system first second is which is specific to india cbi comes in and investigates bank officials so reports are saying that bank officials are literally scared to give big ticket loans because they think that they will be investigated if something bad happens and they don't want that kind of things to happen to them so you also have to understand that india for very long since the time capitalism actually came to india 1991 there was no formal bankruptcy code so we didn't really have a policy of how to recycle companies uh, yeah. recycling companies is a very pa- important part of a capitalist economy in an economy like the united states companies which are not performing are immediately recycled what i mean by recycling is the company itself is dissolved what is a company it's an assets and liabilities right so the company itself is immediately dissolved the assets are taken over the liabilities are also taken over by someone and they recycle it in terms of restructuring the assets and you know restructuring the liabilities and try to make something good out of it in india what happens is there is no bankruptcy code to allow that to happen so what people end up doing is going to court bank goes to court to file for you know things uh, and then because there is no proper law it is on the court's jurisdiction to say yeah maybe this case you can do this maybe this case you can do that even the modi government's bankruptcy code that they implemented which was a very good step actually in 2014 after coming to power in 2014 has never really uh, been very fast in terms of resolving these cases yeah it's still taking one year for a case to be settled but at least it has brought in predictability to the system some big yes. ticket cases have been solved sr steel has the largest back ticket loan that was there has been resolved and also the fact that what what uh, made me feel uh, like weird is the case of jet airways you imagine like if you see its balance sheet you can see its collapse coming from like 2 to 3 years but the public sector banks kept funding it and not just jet airways many other such yeah. um, companies which you know that there is a high chance this is going to fall they keep increasing their 
locking up their capital in those companies and then they have a huge debt burden why not just public That's sector what? banks the biggest culprits of this are cooperative banks cooperative uh, financial nbfcs kind of things because those are very highly uh, you know unregulated and they don't have a very uh, high monitoring from the center so they but, end up yeah, but i don't get the business logic behind this why why is like let's take the case of jet airways that's very clear you see that this airline hasn't been making profit for so long and still you are continuously funding its um, uh, icu I mean, I think you also know what's happening there. Mostly, there is favors granted on both the sides, and people take, uh, people take, you know, but bank officials take bribes to give out loans, and that ends up happening. And the bank official knows that he's going to go after two years. So whatever problems may arise will only arise for the next guy to come. Yeah, that's also true. In fact, that is a very interesting thing. When Raghuram Rajan was in power, that's what I uh, learned about uh, his policy. In his, so Indian banks were not even reporting uh, NPAs. So the first step of uh, basically reporting your uh, assets, the toxic assets, is reporting that an asset is toxic, doing audits every year and reporting those audits. What was happening in Indian banks was people were uh, taking uh, note of these assets, but then they realized that their term is so short. in terms of the bank ceo or the bank md that they started hiding them under the carpet and because the rbi was basically doing nothing so they never were questioned by the rbi as to what is that so what raghuram's policy was to a start identifying the assets what has happened now is now people are started identifying the bank specially have started reporting toxic assets and identifying what's happening for real we have discussed reasons we have discussed policies and one more thing that we wanted to discuss was the effect on markets so recently we have seen that the markets are doing pretty well like markets on a all time high what do you guys believe is the reason for this i'd like to add to that so why mm-hmm. markets are doing all time high you have to understand what is the market right you have been seeing the sensex number and the nifty number come up every day on a tv screen or like on your phone and say it's touched all time high it's touched uh, monthly high yearly high but you also have to understand the sensex is only 30 top companies in the country uh, and nifty is only 50 top countries in the company by market cap and that's not where most of the jobs in india are if this had been uh, another country like say a european country which is small enough that these three four companies only handle most of the jobs of the country i would i would still believe those numbers but most of the jobs in india are situated in small and mid cap industries and the agricultural sector which we have no way to uh, factor in in the in the stock market numbers so you will see that these companies which are uh, on the top 30 or top 50 they will never be uh, affected by anything that's happening on the ground so, level because I, yeah i would like to add to that point brilliant point that mr pointed out that after a slow down the market leaders always have a consolidation of market share right the fringe companies get booted out so that is why the top companies will have a increase in market share as and when the economy revives again so that yeah. is a very big plus point why someone would want to invest in a top company and secondly when there is no other place to invest bank interest rates are so low there is only one place the money can go the safest companies 
so that exactly. is why the safest companies are having a uh, uh, ballooning of their prices inflation basically yeah and you have to understand that these like, remember the 2008 crisis in the united states what happened most of the banks were in a bad situation but the top banks started consolidating right jp morgan became jp morgan chase uh, morgan stanley was acquired by bank of america and this is what is will eventually happen in india vodafone and uh, idea are merging right now i think that's merger that happened uh, while back you will see mergers happening very soon in auto industries as well ford and mahindra are applying for a merger basically they are going to produce cars together so what will happen is the small market share jinka hai those companies will try to you know tag on with the bigger ones because the bigger ones still have something to survive on that's why you'll see the stock market uh, going up and it's also because people like you said blue chip companies are always inflated because of the fact that they are safe houses no especially inflated when the market is doing bad exactly it's like important. it's like gold right it's like a yeah. safe asset so you know it's going to grow and also uh, yeah mm. so yeah another point i would like to point out so as a other than the two telecom companies all the uh, if you take the collective profit margins of all the other companies they have actually increased without significant okay. increase in revenue because they during this period of slow growth they are focusing more on efficiency so i think that is in one way good for the indian economy as such if our uh, companies become more efficient they will become more competent competitive on the global scale no absolutely you you should understand that what uh, what comes out of an economic crisis uh, the best thing that comes out of it is the lack of complacency which has been seen across the economy whether it's the government whether it's rbi yes. whether it's the corporate itself the complacency was always there we are not trying to compete with the global partners with the global competitors because we know that it's not going to Uh, it doesn't matter we are going going to uh, grow at 7% 8% but now i think everyone i mean i remember uh, meeting people they uh, like for example there is companies like uh, jindal steelworks and one of our friends works there so he was telling that most of the consultants that uh, were working on new projects in jindal steelworks are now all focused on improving the efficiency of their manufacturing uh, existing manufacturing which is what most companies will do right think about it if you're very source of income is threatened you will try to preserve that rather than going out and like trying to mm-hmm. preserve and uh, modernize that rather than going and uh, exploring something new so i think that is pretty good what has come out of this crisis this is a counterpoint to that so assuming that the consu- there is no driver for consumerism to rise these big companies will have no other choice but to cut on costs in order to grow all right but there's only a certain limit to which you can cut costs in that case uh, how is how is investing in these top companies a safe asset as uh, a safe bet so revenue growth is not negative first of all it okay. is it is it has not gone negative but it is low very low compared to indian standards so that is one point other than the uh, automobile sector which is negative by a big big way uh, so that is one thing and cutting costs so uh, i can't tell you the numbers but cutting costs has improved profits by a lot in the yes. last quarter you so also have to understand people... think about it see you have money right there's money in your pocket where would you invest it you have two options you have sbi and your local cooperative bank 
which can fail tomorrow day after you have heard of stories of it failing you know any day so that's why you will go and always put your money in sbi which is what is happening in this companies this is an analogy you can drive in the stock market also you have your big uh, say tcs tata consulting services which is like you know too big to fail and then you have a small consulting company maybe who does the same thing on a smaller scale in bangalore you're not going to invest in that mindtree for example mindtree was uh, one Mind such example matlab yes but it's not as big as tcs yeah. right it's not a giant today the, yeah today mindtree stock will not be as inflated as tcs because people know that it can fail someday which is why you will all invest in companies which are too big to fail which you know that the government will bail out or the, and the thing is the bigger the companies the better their corporate leadership is supposed to be because of course they can get better talent so that is also one thing that should be noted uh, in terms of the stock market this question has popped out a lot in multiple countries even even the us people are in stock market is doing really well the numbers are good you really don't understand the effect of the stock market is so localized in in five or six industries in you know in big companies that it really doesn't reflect anything that the uh, country is facing uh, also uh, just one small tangent question so a lot of people put their money in pro- public provident funds what is the source of growth for public provident funds where do they invest that money yes yeah, so they invest in a mix of stocks equities and that is and uh, uh, yeah, government bonds government bonds mostly government, government bonds ensure, and how does the government ensure the high percentage of returns debt government borrows today and it will repay you tomorrow just like any other uh, entity it issues mm. bonds and it will repay and government bonds are the safest right and mm. last two years have been amazing for uh, these kind of funds that are invested in government bonds because of the drastic uh, rdi rate cuts okay. yes and you also have to understand that when uh, people lose faith in the stock market the mid caps and these so they will all automatically shift to fixed income securities like government bonds and gold and what ends up happening is these are safe houses and the thing is that is why the government's debt keeps on increasing every government bond that the government issues is mm-hmm. uh, is on the debt side of the balance sheet and yes. what ends up happening is their debt increases so much of course they need money that's that being said it's not like they do need money from the people but that is how the us economy also works that is how every major country in the world works the government bonds are considered safe houses and they are obviously and they're even becoming negative in other uh, developed countries yes because people don't want the government debt to accumulate especially in switzerland and european countries they are trying to see negative interest rates it's interesting how that will go yeah i would like to point out an interesting fact so something that i have been observing in the market so there are basically three listed uh, mutual fund corporate uh, companies in india sbi reliance nippon and hdfc amcs the that all these most of them have uh, mutual fund companies are part of their banks organization but these three are independently listed bodies and all three of them have had more than 50% increase in their valuation in uh, since january that's like this year and they are big companies having more and i think the reason is because the bank interest rates are so low that people are have stopped doing fd they are willing to take the risks themselves and are directly investing in the market through mutual funds that and is very this, correct and yeah i have, I have realized that also disclaimer i am heavily invested in these companies 
<laughs> yeah, and I mean, of course, it makes sense, right? Think about it. When the government uh, banks are uh, not providing an interest rate, and the interest rate on the government banks is taxed also. The tax rate on a uh, income yeah, from yeah, tax rate uh, is twenty percent in um, uh, long-term capital gains, and it's thirty yeah. percent on income tax. Exactly. So when you earn money from FTs, you are taxed thirty percent. When you earn money from uh, long-term capital gains, you are taxed twenty percent, and that is only if you gain one lakh or more. So basically, your uh, your incentive to go towards capital, which is a very good policy actually. You want your government, you want your people to invest in something rather than just give debt to the government, which is basically what FDs are. And also, uh, I have read that in India, the total value of asset under management by the mutual funds is 13% of GDP. And in developed countries, it goes to 60 to yes. 70. just one question what does that mean when you okay. say 13% so, of gdp yeah yeah so suppose you buy you have invested in some hdfc top 200 mutual fund right hmm. you have invested 1 lakh rupees so if i add all the money that is invested through mutual fund by all the mutual funds hmm does that make sense yes i so that will be 13% of the gdp yes that is 13% That's of the a GDP. lot okay But in foreign countries, it is near 60 to 70. Okay. Oh. Huh. In foreign countries, because you have to realize what happens my there. My bad. Developed countries and in developing countries, it's around 30 to 40. So India has been way behind in this, and I think we are starting to see a change in this. Which is because of the high interest rates, right? I mean, yeah. in India, the interest rates were 10 percent. Eight percent till until we were also in college. So now it has yeah. started decreasing. So I think this is one thing that clearly makes sense because what we were relying upon all the time was investment from big capitalists uh, outside India uh, and some big capitalists within India. Now what has to happen is investment has to come from the very grassroots when people start investing in stock markets and all these things. Yeah, yeah even the stock, stock brokerage companies like Zerodha and um, Share Khan, they are re- uh, reporting record amount of account openings. last two years just yes. to support your point but again i will come back to a point that i have been very much insistent upon you have to understand that this is again a middle income thing most of the people who are investing in the stock market who are doing things are somewhere in the middle 100 yeah. million middle class who has saved enough money in the 10 years to invest somewhere you have to realize that a majority of the population still isn't exposed to the regular financial uh, system and let alone to the uh, stock markets which Most is why we just got the bank account probably last 3 4 years yes. and which is why we have to which is why we have to understand that the reflection on these numbers the stock market numbers the mutual fund capital numbers are all a function of these 100 million people who have come out of poverty significant poverty and probably joined the global middle class what has happened is the other you know 90% of the people who are in this country have never joined the global middle class not even the global uh, you know working class which is why we have a slowdown in the first place this divide has to be bridged somewhere yes valid point very valid point guys uh, we are almost close to wrapping up we have discussed few subtopics subtopics amongst this heading of slowdown Is there anything else that you guys want to touch down upon before we wrap up? Yeah, I wanted to talk about how long will the recovery take? I mean, it's a function of three, four things. The first thing that it depends upon is how quick is the government in uh, enabling 
uh, the labor reforms and the land reforms that are due for a long time i think the modi government has a lot of cap- uh, political capital right now they have been making ground breaking decisions in other sectors you know uh, social decisions but now they have to turn their uh, use their political capital to uh, fuel these uh, reforms in the economy which they have been to a certain extent the second thing what is the function of is the global economy you see most of our uh, investment comes from foreign investors and that will not change anytime soon we are not a very rich country ourselves yeah. so what will happen is the global economy is expected to go into a recession in the very, in the coming 2 3 years hopefully not but of course a recession is imminent because of the nature of economic cycles now if that happens it is very good for india i'll tell you why because when people see the global economy and india is isolated from the global economy so you have to understand relatively so then people will start pushing their money towards you know growing potentially growing economies like india but the key is by the time that happens before that we have to be prepared we have to offer like a good investment hub for every investor in the global economy who thinks that his money is unsafe in developed economies which are not growing in on not unsafe but not growing enough in developed economies so that is one key the other thing that is important is for us uh, for the uh, capital part so the bank thing has to be solved very soon now these mergers and everything that are happening it's not a long term solution what has to happen is privatization of banks so the modi government has to make sure that the banks are privatized as soon as possible most of them the government companies are privatized so that's another set of government decisions they have to take and i think these two things will uh, factor in most importantly the global economy's behavior towards india and india's preparation for the recession that is to come and that will uh, i think 2021 2022 i think uh, most of this should be recovered back and hopefully we will be back to, to a 7 to 8% growth rate but i am worried the thing that worries me the most is the stagnant revenue collection in gst so it was supposedly said that gst will pre- increase government's revenues and so on but we haven't seen really an uptick in revenue and that is really pushing the fiscal deficit number i agree so gst as there's another story uh, i i remember i i was listening to a economist in the pm economic council and he was telling me he was telling the audience that he has been uh, a very major part of the gsts so what happened was the government uses these economists to like you know do some research in terms of what is the appropriate tax rate that will maximize the tax revenue and all these things so he said that your uh, appropriate tax rate that will maximize the tax revenue comes around 24 to 25% which was proved numbers like he said there is no debating it the numbers are numbers the data said that 24 but the government at that time and still is trying to make sure that people are not like shocked by gst and not uh, you know uh, completely uh, taken aback by gst and they have reduced the tax rate from ideal maximizing of revenue to uh, to around 18% at max so i think that's why gst collections are also a problem tax collection in india i think you came up with a good point tax collection in india has generally been a problem and we have to move towards a regime where uh, of course that will also define how our recovery happens that our tax collection improves there is multiple ways to do that the easiest way to recover is to just spend government to spend but the government is scared that that might just take the fiscal deficit out of control so yes it is out of control if you think about it most of the government spendings that happened in the upa era were extravagant and uh, the government is trying to keep it under control 
that is true yeah. but uh, will he be able to stop the greed of just spending something and propping up the, the thing is the thing is i mean i have to this theme comes up you know every time i think about the uh, past 10 years in india this theme comes up very sharply upa 2 upa 1 actually mostly upa 2 made a lot of bad decisions they yeah. uh, let a lot of scandals happen they let a lot of uh, you know uh, fiscal deficit escalate to their yeah. friends so what happened was because of that the modi government came in very scared because they understood whatever the upa 2 was doing was completely wrong and they took the other side of the spectrum everywhere in terms of fiscal deficit they took the other side of the spectrum in terms of like centralization they took the other side of the spectrum they became the very opposite of upa 2 and that created a big shock because what happens when you switch from one side of the spectrum to the other side is most of the institutions don't even understand what's happened you know there is a, a yeah. context switch that happens which is what uh, this government has uh, failed to understand that you have to take things slowly you can't really just like switch things up and you know completely shake the way this country used to operate for the for the last 10 years however inefficient it was and just to add to that uh, you guys are already aware for us to make money we need sources of revenue which are organic and exports is the only way to go we have to look into sectors where we where there is a potential for growing exports and we have to capitalize on that as soon as possible if india is unable to do that it's very difficult to keep pumping in money to grow the already stagnant systems i think the last podcast we discussed a lot about exports and the major theme yes. that comes out is we are so uh, trapped in this socialist hangover that we can't even compete with vietnam or bangladesh which are countries we probably could have overrun over the last uh, outrun over the last 10 years but yeah it's, and it's point that being that's that very live. essential yeah and point being that, that that's very essential in order to grow the economy and that's again a point that we had discussed that time too because without exports you're just but you're i'm just a little make, doubtful uh, yeah i'm a little sorry to interrupt but i'm a little doubtful that in the next 2 3 years or even the 5 years that are to come exports will be a defining factor of our recovery because the global economy is going to have a slowdown in the next 5 years and it's not going to be ex- uh, demanding a lot so even exporting countries like bangladesh and china are going to go through like a slowdown cycle maybe it's not the best way maybe domestic consumption is is the right way for us i i can't really say yeah no i agree to that point it's slow to grow exports but if you mm-hmm. can't grow exports there's only mm-hmm. an extent to which uh, consumerism can grow when money is circu- circulating internally foreign investment is obviously one factor which brings in money from outside but mm-hmm. now that is something the government has to plan on how it plans to get in the money yeah no absolutely so nirmala sitaraman made a point that we are aware of the trade war benefits and government has approached 12 american companies to shift their shops from china to india to take benefit of the arbitrage of the uh, trade war but shouldn't this be done last year why she doing this yes. now complex sense no 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 like no, no, no. right? okay yeah yeah, yeah. that has been the theme of indian economic growth for the last 10 years complacency of growth and now that we are shocked we are going to take a lot of reforms hopefully this bring us out as soon as possible because of course what is the best thing that will come out of a crisis is reforms yeah and hopefully this can be a 1991 again it will be i think most of the time it yeah yeah yeah